Get ready, you normie bitches, because it's time for Dear Fandom, where everything you like is terrible. And that's okay. I'm <laughs> Megan. And I'm Hillary. And welcome to today's episode. So uh, last week we said we were going to do uh, Game of Thrones, uh, but me, like much of the other people in this fandom, just don't like it anymore. And uh, that's that's terrible for anyone who was really going to listen to any more things about Game of Thrones. But there is another fandom that uh, I have been a part of for more than half my life at this point, probably. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Um, and that is, I've been really into uh, JRPGs. So that stands for Japanese role-playing games. And the one we're specifically talking about today is Final Fantasy VII, which just released a remake uh, on April 10th. So a little over a month, a little under a month ago. Megan, would yes. you say that this is... Final Fantasy VII Two Electric Boogaloo. Um, you see, you joke about that, but Final Fantasy often does like they're like, "Welcome to Final Fantasy Ten Two," and you're like twelve, and it's like, "No, no, there's a 12. So why? What are you <laughs> like, talking about? Is it, is it like it's, the fucking iPhone? It's, it's just, great. They just skip the nine, like. they and they only do it for random games. So they'll have like Final Fantasy Thirteen, and then there'll be Final Fantasy Thirteen Two, and I'm like, this is just not a great numerical system we got going here. <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> because back in the day, so, like, with Final Fantasy VII specifically, um, and Final Fantasy VIII after it, it's, uh, so it was for the PlayStation 1, it was, uh, released in 1997. So, I didn't own it, because in 1997, my mom looked at any gaming system and was like, oh, what? That was not $6. I'm not getting you that. That's ridiculous. It's, you're it's, seven. You're gonna break it. It's like, we could buy a video gaming system, or we could buy, you know, like, three months of groceries. That's, yeah, I mean, to, I I think in 97 mom got us Game Boy Colors because Game Boy Colors were built with the idea that if a child took a hammer to the back of it maybe it wouldn't break and you'd be okay. I can't I can't guarantee that you could say the same for your PlayStation. Um and you know there was you know you had the console wars going on in the 90s you had your Nintendo, your Sega, your PlayStation Xbox, I don't think existed, but I don't care about Xbox. <laughs> um, so Final Fantasy VII came out in 1997. And it's really funny because the game is set in 2007. Because you get it? This, it's a seven. It's that, That's the number. That's that's it. It's we. That's it. It's seven. No, I. But the, <laughs> but the thing is, if it was set in 2007, like, Cloud would have, like, raccoon you, eyes and he'd be like follow boy's biggest fan you, and i want to tell you that the the fashion in final fantasy 7 and the fashion in 2007 were not that far off <laughs> um, we were all like is cloud got a spiky fucking hair that he uses hair cement from got to be yeah that's it <laughs> <laughs> yo that's a throwback it is who doesn't love buying a bottle that has like the air horn top of the got to be cement um it's my favorite and to ruin my hair with uh, so, so it was originally released in 1997 by Square Enix. Uh, sometimes they're called Square. Uh, regardless, Square Enix is known, at least to my eyes, ears, mouth, sight, sounds, things. They basically do all of your biggest Japanese video games in in America. So you'll get your Final Fantasies, your Kingdom Hearts, um, other things that are from japan that i don't play um all right so, <laughs> so it was originally released on playstation and it came in a box that was not so back in the day like when you had a game you'd have a game like when you played sega you just put in your sonic disc and you were like great that's the entire game i don't need more and uh with final fantasy 7 it had three discs so you had it was kind of like a three-act play so you'd put in your first disc and then 
you like reach the conclusion of the first disc and they'd be like, okay, put in disc two. Like you were watching the Titanic on two VHSs. Oh my God. Yeah. I did that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Who didn't do that when they owned a VHS player? But that was how games worked. Because, I mean, the length of these games. So to give you a scope of how big Final Fantasy VII is. So it covers three discs. Now, when they remade it this month, uh, it it's uh, a 40-hour game. The game that's been remade. Uh, it covers the first 10 to 15% of the first game. Like, that's it. Just Which isn't even the first disc. I found that out. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. How many more parts are we getting? Oh my it's, God. A, it's a good way to make money. Um, but it's actually... So, the this is just basically going to go over the events in the remake. Because uh, the remake has been going uh, not in... A completely different way it's so with uh final fantasy 7 is you've got your your main story which is uh i'm trying to think of the easiest way to condense this story so you're, you're playing a character named cloud strife who's uh an ex-soldier wait, wait cloud strife like ex- strife strife is his last name strife is his last name like yes. what kind of fucking heavy-handed ass metaphor is that <laughs> exactly like i said 2007 the person <laughs> <laughs> so Cloud he's gonna have is, some problems he and he's also a leo so there's just gonna be additional <laughs> ones on top <laughs> god cloud's a leo my boyfriend's a leo Christ. i know and teeth is a taurus um Aerith is a I, I actually didn't write down Aerith's. uh uh it doesn't matter sign, for reasons we'll tell you later for, for, for reasons we'll tell you later it doesn't matter i'm certain you already know those reasons because this game came out 23 years ago <laughs> Um, but, uh, so it felt you're, you're, you are the player as Cloud Strife and you're in terms of like your job, you are now a mercenary, uh, in terms of like you ask for money and people ask you to do things. I always assumed mercenaries were like, like they killed people, but mercenaries in Final Fantasy seven, it's more like, Hey, can you go and like, get me a new record to put in this jukebox? I want to dance. And Cloud's like, you got it, man. And so he does. So, you know, really hard-hitting stuff. Uh, Pulitzer <laughs> Prize. So so you play as Cloud, and you're an ex-soldier. And uh, soldiers are soldiers. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to. They, they are. Um, so there's Cloud used to work for this mega corporation called Shinra. And Shinra's your equivalency of, like, I guess it's the way General Electric was back in the 90s. Like, just something that was over-encompassing and, like, almost monopolistic in terms of they they generate the, the electricity, your cars, your television stations, everything. Kind of like Warner, I guess, nowadays. Just something that owns everything. And uh, Shinra, the way they get all of the energy is from this... I shit you not. There's a the planet is alive, and I mean I don't mean it in like the way that like you know Poison Ivy believes the planet is alive, and she cries every time someone steps on a rose or some shit. I mean it is in there is a living thing in this planet that they are like yes, oh my god, I got a full charge on two minutes, sweet Jesus, yeah. Um, so, so like it's Tefiti, kind of yes. That's a that's that's fair, except <laughs> except completely different, and it's gonna change. <laughs> so without going into like way too many spoilers because i want to tell you this story like i'm gonna so we're i'm gonna cover the first like the part of the remake and then we'll be playing final fantasy 7 
me and my husband, and, and I'll be going through like parts what I believe will be two and three. Uh, hopefully, God, I hope. Maybe. If it's not, then who knows? Um, so the the life blood of the planet is called Mako, and it's the it's the equivalent of like if Tafiti, you know, if somebody was just like lava is really good for Earth, and it just was like an energy source, and you know, because you know the the core of the Earth is hot molten magma. And uh, just imagine harnessing an energy that is magma or something of that nature. Okay. Except in the same way that if we were to extract magma from the earth and just continue to pump, like get rid of all the heat that was in the earth's core, eventually the earth would die and it'd become this big rock. Same kind of issue going on in this. So you, uh, as a mercenary, join up with what is obviously going to be the good guys in this game, which are eco-terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> I always find that that's just a very like like oxymoronic way of saying it like eco-terrorism is like we're gonna destroy corporations so the planet can live and i'm like so why are we calling this terrorism and they're like because people are in those buildings and i'm like it's 1 a.m when it was destroyed and they're like okay maintenance was in these buildings <laughs> yeah so okay. Okay. like i was always the kind of person watching batman and i'm like but where is poison ivy wrong where Wait, she, why are we angry at her guys she wasn't i mean like she was the the whole the whole plot line is basically like just try, trying to put a strong woman down exactly and with uh with with uh the e so the eco-terrorist group is called avalanche which i think is a highly appropriate name for an eco-terrorist group uh because avalanches are forces of nature that absolutely kill things um maybe the people in the diatlov pass maybe it was aliens who the fuck knows anyway <laughs> okay it was separate. aliens and the government moving on <laughs> Um, so, so their names, are, so, the, so, uh, you're, so you start the game and you're already on a mission and you're introduced to a litany of members from the start. You have Weggs, Weggs, Wedge, <laughs> what? <laughs> I, there's, so there's Wedge and Biggs, which I like to combine names and call them Weggs because they're gay as shit and my favorite. At one point in the remake, um, Wedge gets bit in the ass and he's like, look at my ass. So Biggs bends him over and literally just pulls down his fucking pants and just takes like a really hard look at his ass and he's like man you're just bleeding a little you'll be fine and i'm like that's that's lovely i love this this is great who wrote this oscar game of the year game of the century oh my god <laughs> it's beautiful um and so you have wedge and biggs who are kind of just your uh, i'm trying to think of the nicest way like like, the equivalency of, like, in, in Star Wars when you have those random, like, Red 54 pilots or whatever. Those guys. They're just people to help you out on your team. They just have a little bit more of a personality and a fleshed-out development. Then you have Jessie, who is, uh, she's there. And uh, her personality is the equivalency of, um, she thinks Cloud is hot, which, I mean, obviously. Um, and... She and Weggs, Weggs, that's what I'm just going to call them from now on. It's not going to change. They all get along. Like for a trio, they're absolutely in the most platonic of friendships I've ever seen in a video game. And it makes me so happy. Nice. Um, and then you have who are definitely more of your main characters. You have Barrett and Tifa. Now, Barrett is six foot five and I don't know, a good 350 solid and has a half of an arm that's a gun. Uh, Tifa's like 110 and all like a hundred of those pounds are directly in her breasts. <laughs> and, oh, okay. and, and she's a bartender and they're both, um, they're both, uh, higher ranking members of Avalanche. It's never really confirmed, at least in the remake, 
like exactly how big this group is, exactly how many layers of this organization are. Like, is there a, uh, you know, structure to an eco terrorist group? Like, do we have a president? Do we have a CFO? What's going on here? We'll have CFO. a meeting on Monday to discuss. <laughs> so, so Tifa and Barrett are going to be like part of your main crew throughout the entirety of the game. And for the, the, the entirety of the remake, it's just you switching off between having Tifa in your party or having Barrett in your party. And they're fine. I mean, Barrett in the original game was very much written. Like Japan was like, I've seen enough episodes of the A-Team to know how this character is going to be written. (laughs) And man, oh man, they had seen enough episodes of the A-Team to know exactly how to write Mr. T. And they did. They did. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake was like, okay, we're just gonna we're gonna dial that back on the Mr. T thing because you know <laughs> like, nobody that's... watches the A team anymore, <laughs> um, and that's the only reason. And he's become a lot more of a realistic character. Like he's instead of being, you know, like I pity the fool type of character, he's more of a father who. So he has a young daughter, four years old, who is the size of just one of his calves, just so tiny. And she's she's adorable, um, and he fights for her, and that becomes, like, his main motivator. Mm-hmm. And it's lovely to, like, watch because it's – I don't know if you could tell, but, like, remember in, like, Renaissance paintings when they'd paint, like, baby Jesus and it was just, like, an adult face that they put on a circle yeah. because they had no idea how to paint babies? That's that's my favorite. Um, like, almost as good is, like, them painting, like, cats yes. and, like, sheep. And things yeah. like that, but babies is the best. It's like truly like a forty-year-old man on the face of like an infant. It's amazing, and it's because they have no idea. They're like, oh god, what do babies even look like? So, excuse me. Um, so with the original Final Fantasy VII, I mean, you can only go so far with how they can make a child look when you have technological constraints of the year 1997 and that was the year it was released so it was made years before that so it's just kind of like a box child you know like like minecraft but a little bit more finessed and uh it was it's weird to look at because you're you're like i want to feel for this small little child thing but uh she's missing like a lot of like you know roundness a skin color that i can identify as like human i can't even tell if she's got a face um (laughs) And that's just, that just happens to be, as you know, like I, I didn't, my 3D model game was Ocarina of Time and you already played as a child. You were a child in the beginning of that game. And then they released the 3D update for 3DS and they gave him more childlike features. And I went, this looks like a monster. <laughs> so I can imagine that people who played the game, you know, 23 years ago, I keep forgetting it's 23. I'm going to be like, eh, seven years ago. Nope. 23 years ago. They probably would have thought that Marlene was an adorable little girl. She's more adorable in uh, Unreal Engine 4K. Yeah, no, I can I can imagine the uh, the two things like I know about the game coming into this game, like coming into this because you were because you were like be the less prepared the better, and I was like all right, bet. But I did look up pictures of this game, and this truly is like Minecraft on accident. It's like you know how Minecraft looks like that on purpose. Yes, like. This is just like, this is what we're working with here. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's like if you compare pictures of how Cloud looks in, in the remake <laughs> to looks how like Cloud looks in the original game, you are literally like, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the equivalent face. of like, don't copy my homework. Like, like yeah, you can copy my homework, <laughs> but make it yours. 
Except the difference is, is you found your mom's homework from 1999 and your mom and your, the, your mom's teacher is still alive and giving out the same homework assignments. Your mom's like, oh, just, you can use my homework for like a study guide, but you know, make it yours. And you just look at your mom's homework. And your mom like, man, you're like, you're like, you could have gotten a D on this and you just redo it all perfect and shit. And your teacher's like, A plus, good job. Wow. It's almost like I read this 23 years ago. <laughs> God bless. And, uh, and so, so yeah, it's, it's kind of, that's a really stark, like, but I feel like for, you know, there's, there's been, um, there's been like steps in between, uh, cloud looking like made, made, like he's made out of cardboard boxes and cloud now, because we've had, uh, he's been in, he's been in, uh, several Kingdom Hearts games. They did a movie called uh, Final Fantasy VII Advent Children, which I had seen having no prior experience with the game. And I went, this is gorgeous. I love all of these guys. When are they making out? Why are they angry? I love it. Who's the redhead? (laughs) It's just, it's great. It's wonderful. I think the less you know about a series and then you just watch the straight to home DVD, it's perfect oh my god like try watching pocahontas 2 without having seen pocahontas 1 and you're gonna be like i'm glad she's doing good <laughs> she and seems she, happy she's a princess she totally didn't die when she was 16 of fucking dysentery <laughs> so all right so then you have tifa who's a bartender and she's dressed like a bartender because you've got to get them tips you know oh yeah the other the other thing I, every single person ever has told me about this game it's like yeah it looks like roblox and tifa's hot tifa's yeah. all tits on this. <laughs> that's my favorite extrapolation from the male fan base of final fantasy 7 is they're like tifa's so hot she's and just I, titties <laughs> it's it's i like it's there's just so much to tifa that like i know the reason she is dressed like this is because she is a bartender and she's like got to get them tips though and you have to, you have to. I mean, that's the point is you need, you, bartenders don't subsist on like, yes, my hourly wage has been doing great. And I assume in Midgar, the hourly wage has got to be terrible, <laughs> considering it's not real. <laughs> so she dresses like a bartender. Absolutely. Like, I, I'd say the equivalent of like anybody who works in a tilted kilt. That's like, so when guys say Tifa is hot, I'm like, so, you know, the equivalent of a girl who would be hired to work in the Tilted Kilt and get good tips because she's got a good body and she's very personable and super friendly and has got a great personality. And guys are like, can you just pour me a drink and talk to me for 35 minutes, please? Thank you. $30. (laughs) and tifa's Tifa's probably like the girl who's like really great at like pretending she cares about your life and then yes the the second like she's done with her shift it's like oh my god you would not believe this guy (laughs) oh absolutely i wish there was a lot more that's the thing is like tifa is kind of so in terms of the setting so you're in midgar for for the entirety of the remake and there's uh and I mean it in the most intense sense, you have like an uptown and a downtown in the sense that the uptown is literally above your head and you can't see the sky because it's just rich people who have built an entire like city above your city. And it's just down downtown is, is on the ground and it's just kind of like a slum-like area. So it's top plate and the underplate is basically what it's called. It's and top plate is where all your titans of industry live, all the people who work for your big corporations, your comfortably middle and high class people live there um everybody who's in poverty or close to it lives in the underplate and you'll get like a litany of characters in the remake they introduce just so many different kinds i mean you have doctors who are working down there you have uh you know children's homes you have 
older people, you have gardeners, you have multiple children running around. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's really nice. You have it, they have a whole area called Wall Market, which is the equivalent of like Atlantic City. I would not call it a Las Vegas. I'd call it an Atlantic City. Um, and if anyone's been to both of those places, there is a heavy distinction between those two. Uh, number one, in that I'm certain that it, you know, in, in Atlantic City, you can stumble from one hotel and um, casino to another, to another bar, to a strip club, just walking, you know? And then at 11 a.m., you're looking, there's like people passed out on the street in their own puke, and you just kind of feel dirty that you spent the night there. That's the equivalent of this place. That's totally not autobiographical based on our experience. No, I've never, I've never been to Atlantic City. I, I hear that it's a city of sin, and I would never, ever do that. We totally didn't accept free pizza from strangers. Nope. <laughs> didn't puke from it either. <laughs> So, so it's really just like this very developed world. And uh, it's so what's so interesting about this world is that, as the name might imply, you would assume Final Fantasy would be kind of like, you know, fantasy and is in genre, you know, like, like Hobbit, like, like uh, wizards, elves, mages, things. And Final Fantasy VII was a big divergent from the genre of fantasy and that it went more science fiction fantasy style. So you have this very industrialized city, but there's also the ability to do magic. Uh, And so it's the equivalent of Brighton onward. (laughs) Pixar fans are going to come for me. Um, (laughs) And it's, it's, it's really nice because it blends the two genres lovely together. So like you'll have, you know, you have magic, you have, cats that can talk you have you know uh this idea so you have this character Aerith, who's one of the central figures of this game and and probably one of the most notorious well sephiroth is your most notorious character but Aerith is also pretty notorious in her right too uh because she's got one of the most famous death scenes in all of the video game in all video game lore and video game history i can't think of another video game i've ever played and I never played Final Fantasy VII, where a character died, and I was like, I knew about it immediately. Like in the in the equivalency of of the Harry Potter fandom, and then the second the the Snape kills Dumbledore thing went out, everyone knew about it, and you couldn't hide. Everyone knew Aerith was gonna die, and I mean, I don't want to blame every Aerith cosplayer for standing in front of a guy dressed as Sephiroth while he shoves a sword into her back, but I do. I am going to blame them entirely, um, because. <laughs> Because you can't accurately cosplay Snape killing Dumbledore because, I I mean, that movie didn't come out until 2007, so it's different. Um, but this game, you had women left, right, center, just all over the place, on the steps, near a pond, in a bridge, just posing. <laughs> in a bridge. In a bridge, just posing and getting stabbed in the back by some dude with a long sword. And... That was revolutionary for the time because Aerith is a playable character. She's your white mage kind of. She'll heal you. She's uh, she's got a very high you know attack stat and well, not attack stat, magic stat. But she's there as a support character, and you always want someone who's a healer in your party just because you don't want to die, and that's yeah, like no. the main thing. And uh, 
And to kill a character off, she dies about halfway through the game. And to kill off one of your playable characters was something that... No, that's the equivalent of, like, Super Mario Brothers, like, Luigi dropping down a pipe. It's actually a piranha <laughs> plant. And then Mario just watching as Luigi's body is mashed in whole. And he's just like, but I'm a brother. <laughs> fucking Elliot Smith's Needle in the Hay plays in the background. <laughs> exactly. It's just... It's, it's something that, as a gamer, you would be like, well, this is obviously a fake scene. Luigi will revive and we'll be fine. I have three one-ups. Oh, yeah. That's... That's... Okay, so... I lied. I knew three things about, I knew that, you know, Roblox, Tifa's hot, Aerith dies. And I accidentally spoiled that for somebody once and she wasn't done playing the game yet. And she screamed and I was like, (laughs) I was like, I'm sorry. I I thought everyone knew this. The game has been out at that year. Yeah. It was like 2009. This was like my freshman year of college. All right. So you still had like, okay, this is what I can't understand though, is that they, so they had released. So in 2006, they came out with uh, Advent Children, which is your sequel. It's your follow-up to the events of, uh, Final Fantasy VII. Final Fantasy VII Advent Calendar. Fa- Final Fantasy chocolate? VII Advent Calendar. One for the 25 days of Christmas. Keep opening, guys. Um, and it's established in that movie, and even if you've never played uh, Final Fantasy VII, it's established that Aerith is definitely 100% fucking dead. She's not here. She's a ghost. Cloud keeps seeing her, like, in flashbacks and stuff. And that's one of those spoilers. So, like, with Mike playing the game, he's like, we're not leveling up Aerith. <laughs> Yeah, it's great do, it's lovely don't do what Lauren did. <laughs> and it's it's i mean that's the thing is you can't with something like final fantasy i love leveling up my girl characters um i my favorite final fantasy is final fantasy 10 and you get three girl characters you have six in total yeah six in total seven in total seven in total um and you have three girl characters and four boy characters technically one of those boys is a giant blue furry named kimari but we're not going to count him as anything um so i always leveled up my three girls i had yuna lulu riku and i just loved leveling them up because it for me like as a girl gamer you want to see what you are you're like look it's a girl she's got boobs i've got something going on (laughs) well it'll be exciting she can do it and so i would have been the exact same way with uh with Aerith it's just it's just in my nature to want to level up my female characters to the point where they're just the most beastly characters in the game and that's just not how gaming works usually your most beastly characters will always be your characters like Barrett who is a six foot five 350 pound muscular mass that if you stabbed him in the arm the knife would bend (laughs) (laughs) oh no I'm dead now um if someone's arm is a gun (laughs) i know it's exciting and like you can change the gun sometimes it'll be a big gun (laughs) sometimes it'll be like one of those things with the mace and you just you know it's exciting Uh, lots of lots of options you wake up every morning it's like hmm i wonder what sort of murder i will commit today (laughs) i i honestly personally believe that uh if you're gonna have anyone on your eco-terrorist group the giant black guy with the gigantic murder weapon for an arm is the perfect thing to save this earth. I love it. So, so like, I never thought that this video game would have anything in common with California in the 1970s, but eco-terrorist groups, man. Like. Maybe that's the thing. is Because, like, sometimes, like, I, you, I'm trying, like, there's definitely a lot of, like, 
allegories with like current modern day that you can see and also just in general different movements within i think american history you know movements of uh corporations big evil corporations taking over and this kind of fight against it kind of fighting against this modernization because you know i think we as we go towards futurology there's also a big push against futurology in the same way you don't want to necessarily advance past the point where the entire planet is just technological you still want to be in touch with that and and Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy VII creates this very big structure in the sense that, uh, so, whereas in our modern history, 2,000 years ago is when we like to say that, you know, Christianity began and stuff like that. In Final Fantasy VII, it's a little different. Um, they don't call it Christianity. It's just everyone's magical 2,000 years ago, and they can all communicate with the planet. It's exciting. Um, wow. Everyone can just talk to it. Hey, how you doing? The planet's oh, name I'm is fine. Gaia. I like this. All of these things are good. Um, I just love the idea of like just nothing but mythical beings existing 2,000 years ago, and then eventually like regular people were being born, and they just overtook all the mythical ones. And you're just like, God damn it, we're all so normal. <laughs> um, and it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's not exactly as fantastical as, you know, um, Final Fantasy III, for instance, deals with like dragons in caves and, you know, uh, flying on an airship that kind of looks exactly just like a pirate ship that just happens to have wings on it. You know, like that's, that's their kind of airship. Their airship is a, is just a pirate ship with wings. Oh, oh, that's exciting. Whereas Final Fantasy VII is like, hey, uh, so this is a spaceship, but technically it can't go into space and we're not calling it an airplane. So it's an airship. <laughs> <laughs> but, but wait, shh, shh, shh. It's shut, fine. shut it's your fine. goddamn mouth. <laughs> this is logical, all right? Do you, do you make this game? No. Do you have game of the year on your shelf? No. Shut your mouth. All right. Um, and, it, and that's the thing is, it was reg regarded as uh, kind of like this hallmark game in the sense that it, it changed the outlook, I think, for a lot of people in America specifically, because you have this game, which... In turn, because of this game being released, when Final Fantasy VIII came out, everyone was like, oh, it's got to be just as good. It was fine. It existed. They had some stuff. And then Final Fantasy IX was there, and it's got its small, dedicated fan base. And then Final Fantasy X came out, and everyone blew up over that because it was another landmark kind of game in the sense that you could hear your characters for the first time. Final Fantasy VII was the first time you had... 3D models of your characters as opposed to kind of like 2D blocked pixeled animation and it was it was just something that you know it's one of those games that if you play it kind of sticks in your mind especially the younger you were when you played it yeah and uh in in terms of like actual gameplay so the original Final Fantasy 7 very linear storyline you go from point A to point B you have you know optional side quests but they're not necessary for game completion and you fight in turn-based combat. So turn-based combat is uh, when you hear, you know, like you'd, you'd take a step and it's like the equivalent of like a Pokemon battle. You'd be like, dun, 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 dun. And just, it's like, oh, battle music. There's the enemies. You got three of you and you each take turns punching the animals. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was definitely the better way to phrase that. Um, and you, you basically uh, go through each round until they die or you die in which case game over start again um, <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds fairly straightforward exactly like, uh the remake is a lot more real-time combat which is the equivalency of you're walking down the street and then uh dragon comes well, they're called drakes because they're tinier than dragons i assume and like you know as we all know drake is a nickname for dragon 
you know? No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) And so, but you'll, 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 your enemy will actually be in your field of vision. You can see them and it's not, it's not random in that sense. You know, it's coming and your, your attacks are in real time. So you press X to attack, you attack in that moment. Whereas with Final Fantasy VII original, you press X and they'd be like, cloud uses slash. And then you just slash like a Pokemon game. Um, (laughs) So... It's, you know, it's it's something that that was a very traditional, like, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it type method yeah. for many games. And then uh, Final Fantasy XV came out last year with a different combat system. Everyone really enjoyed it. They liked that. Final Fantasy VII used that as well. Um, so in terms of... <laughs> Um, so I went, I put down in my notes, I was like, the villain is mostly just the company for part one. And it's great because there's something just wonderful about breaking into a corporation, knowing you're going to blow it up. <laughs> like, <Lit>. It's <laughs> wonderful. It's so much fun. Um, and, and it's, it's, if I were to just ex- describe to you exactly how much I enjoyed this game based on, you know, somebody who was very familiarized with it in the mid 2000s and aware of all the characters and and knew the basic big plot points i'd say this that the remake is is just i can't there's no way i could possibly use like a modern comparison because final fantasy 7 is 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 a gigantic game i think it's 60 to 100 hours in the original game itself yeah and the idea to take such a large game and to break it apart piece by piece i think is exactly the kind of justice that that a series needs. You need the ability to really focus on... So part one, the remake, is all of your first act. It's your character introductions. Here is Cloud. Here is Shinra Corporation. Here is why they're evil. Here is Aerith. Here is Barrett. Here is Tifa. Here are all your characters. Here's what they're doing and why you're fighting for them. And yeah, this is, in terms of like linear story progression, it kind of, it would drag in comparison to... Uh, you know, what Final Fantasy VII, the original game was. You would go through the first few missions and you'd be done in maybe five hours and you'd be you'd you'd to play this and to extend five hours into 40 is kind of a feat but i'd say in the society that we live in where we're just begging for content every goddamn second of every goddamn day we're like wait you made five hours into 40 oh my god do it again (laughs) (laughs) harder no i think that um i think that that's really useful though because i feel like we're a generation or like we're in we have been adapted to sort of like need instant gratification and Mm -hmm. for like a story to take its time unfolding is really smart and i think one of the wonderful things about final fantasy 7's remake is that so you you have five hours of a story that's been stretched out to 40 hours in which case so the original creator of the uh of the game, let me get his name correct. Um, so the original director was uh, Yoshinori Katase, and he's also the director of the remake as well. And they've actually interviewed him, and they were asking him uh, if if he was going to be re- remaking Final Fantasy VII until he retired or died, and he said, I wouldn't mind doing that. And I think it has to do with the fact that, so if you had a chance, like, like I, I think a really good comparison is the equivalent of Vincent Van Gogh painting sunflowers as much as he did. It's not that you know, the the first time wasn't good or the second time wasn't great or the twelfth time wasn't phenomenal. It's just that by being able to revisit this subject, you get to give it the attention it you you as the artist, as the creator, want to give it. And that's why I love 
the idea like i i'm trying to think of something that i would love to just see extrapolated on like that but it's it's just so hard to find a modern comparison from you know even within the last 30 or 40 years to just find something that's like a final fantasy 7 where you have this big expansive storyline but even if you did break it apart piece by piece people would still devour it i i mean i i yeah i can't think of anything can you um the only equivalents I can think of are, like, kind of as you mentioned in the visual art world, because a lot of artists will, um, oh, I guess probably a great example of this is Keith Haring, who developed a style over time. He would paint those sort of block figures, and he he would paint them doing different things. And a lot of people were like, well, he was always painting the same thing, but he wasn't. It was variations on a theme. It was getting better at expressing this idea and creating a brand. Exactly. And I think that's super, super important. I think, I think because video games are a visual art medium, um, or like arguably anyway, I think they are personally. I mean, Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like you sent me that video of the final fantasy game and like the graphics on that are beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think, yeah, I think visual art really lends itself to that. Um, actually I just thought of a perfect comparison. Um, cause we were just talking about this earlier this week, the umbrella Academy, the first volume, which is what six issues, correct? Mm-hmm. And they have 10 episodes in that first series. Each and is an even, hour long. <laughs> which is which is giving exactly as you know, Gerard was sitting there and going, no, I want to add this. I want to do this. I want to change that, which I think is is because it, it creates not not a different storyline necessarily in the sense that it's going to change the outcome of everything but i think what it does is gerard now gets to go back and revisit these stories and figure out okay what did i like about this original draft that i wrote and how can i make it better how can i make it something that if i had the chance to do it again what would i do and how would i make it good you know exactly and it's like translating it to a different medium and even though you know because um the plot of umbrella academy which we will get to later um in a later episode um it's sort of the apocalypse suite sort of diverges from um the comic books like how um vanya sort of gets to be where she's at um is very different but like the outcome's basically the same but um I guess uh, there is an equivalency here because technology has developed so much. It's practically a different thing. Like- oh, absolutely. That's And that's what's so good about this is like, so Gerard wrote um, Umbrella Academy, at, what, at least 10 years ago, if not more, right? He wrote it 13 years ago. 13 years ago. So it's not, you know, it's not 23 years, but imagine having to sit with your creative property and it's, you know, it does, it has its own little cult following. I mean, Final Fantasy VII, I'd say in the equivalency has a cult following. I mean, there's definitely people who have heard of it but i mean when i was going to anime conventions you were not getting you know (laughs) you weren't getting people left right and everywhere around you that was just packed in with anime fans back in the 2000s anime was highly highly niche your jrpgs being obsessed with japan as a chunky white girl everyone's like all right megan let's breathe and i'm like konnichiwa (laughs) (laughs) i know Um. oh god but it's 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 very much the same way like it's it's something that you know it has this following but it, it needed to create enough of a buzz you need to create you need to have that that time period where people are just like god i have so many unanswered questions like what happened here what do you think happened here what about this and what i've actually found out is uh 
with the remake, they've actually made some changes in the same way Umbrella Academy has uh, towards the end of the of the remake. So there's uh, the traditional ending is I think we're good. All right. So the traditional ending is that uh, they go to Shinra. They kill the president of Shinra. Well, actually, they don't kill the president of Shinra. Sephiroth appears, kills the president of Shinra. Oh, my God. Amazing. And that's it. There you go. And now we're, we're running away because we got to run away from Sephiroth. And in this, in this version, it's, it takes that very simple act. And it kind of just, it's, I mean, Sephiroth is obviously still there. The act occurs. But there's so much more that they've padded that gigantic, uh, you know, climax with yeah. that it's, it's, I, I, I don't I'm not giving it all away because I haven't looked it up and we haven't beaten the game yet um, okay but it's 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 more like they've added additional characters they've created these plot twists that that do make sense and do come in later uh in the original game and it's just like like oh god I love it I love it so much I just love the idea of creatives being able to do their own work that's that's my favorite thing is it's just a creative having that control over their own property in the way that Gerard has control over Umbrella Academy. That's what you yeah. want. Like, that's why I believe, you know, so many uh, remakes and reboots that have been done over and over and over again, like we had the original series of Unfortunate Events, I and then we had the series of Unfortunate Events in which the real Lemony Snicket assisted with. Yeah, I know. Daniel Handler who is Lemony Snicket. That is not a big, that's not a spoiler. (laughs) It's not a spoiler. He's real. That's not his actual name. Um, Yeah, no, I was just about to bring that up. Like when you started talking about that, I was like, oh, the the series of Unfortunate Events TV series is such a good example of this because they created this whole bait and switch subplot while setting you up for this huge, huge reveal at the end. And they, that's, that is one thing I refuse to spoil for people because like that is one thing you have to find out at the end. Absolutely. And I think just the idea, like I personally think that in my mind, the best remakes are always the ones that I think that the creator has a say in. I'm going to completely and totally leave Marvel alone for any of those comparisons because at this point they've changed hands so many goddamn times that who's doing what? I don't know. I don't care. As far is Tom as Hiddleston con- in it? Great. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, they stopped making Marvel Marvel movies after Thor Ragnarok. So you know, like what? <laughs> I mean, it's it's just it's you know what it's it's something that I think you need to like. Like, with something that is a property that changes hands, like Marvel Cinematic Universe, and, and continues to be the reason why mostly the DC is just not doing good, is because you don't have a creator, a central creator. Um, like, it's it's just it just has to do with the fact that, you know, because there isn't a central creator to something like, you know, any specific plot line in, in, a, in a Marvel movie or, or in a DC movie, uh, I mean, they do have, you know, they borrow plot lines from several different stories, but you don't have one person who's like, I wrote this. This is my baby. Every part of this is part of me. And they can sit there and they can help. But then again, you, you look at Harry Potter and you're like, so, Joe, what happened, uh, what happened with that seven movie? She's like, I, I, I'm sorry, what? I can't hear you. I'm a bit deaf in this ear. But then again, speaking of, just a side note, Roald Dahl absolutely hated the 70s version of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. 
Which is so interesting because yeah. it's a beloved movie. It absolutely is. So I think that you'll definitely get, you know, both your hot and your cold. You'll get your Roald Dolls and your J.K. Rowlings who are just like not involved and don't want to be involved. Your Alan Moores. But Alan Moore has distinctly created a stance, don't touch my property. And if you do, I'm not helping you. <laughs> and here's the thing. There's this thing called Death of the Author. Which I briefly discussed um, in the Harry Potter episode, or like kind of touched upon, where after a certain point you need to step away from your work. Absolutely. And I think that the creator, um, uh, the creator of Final Fantasy, has his hand in the work just the right amount, um, where he's not like he's developing it, but he's not doing it to death. And yes. I, it's evident in like what you're telling me and what has been seen you know things develop these fan bases for a reason mm -hmm. like you you have to walk away at some point so i hope that he doesn't do too much I, yeah i think that's work. that's always important is is it's doing it to the point of where you're satisfied and you're never i think as a creator you're never, never going to be a hundred percent satisfied but if you can create something get it to that point of like even if it's 88% happiness, you're like, you know what? I'm going to leave it alone. Because with something like Final Fantasy VII, you have, you know, your your Kingdom Hearts characters that involve, that are from Final Fantasy. You have your Advent children. They released a game for the PSP called uh, Advent, uh, sorry, Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core. They released another one called Dirge of Cerberus. And there's just so many, but none of these were exactly the same kind of, they had the exact same kind of feel as the original Final Fantasy VII. And so with this remake, they, they interviewed uh, Yushinori and he said that it's just going to be something where he's trying to tie this all together in a way that makes him satisfied. And I appreciate that as a fan and also as just somebody who enjoys a cohesive story. No, <laughs> I, God, I, retconning is the worst. Oh, uh, no. Retcon ret retconning is terrible, which happened with um, X-Men First Class. Mm -hmm. um, but as we know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I sincerely hope like for this series that he is able to find a place of satisfaction when recreating these works and when sort of, because by, it's not like carbon copy remake. It's like a development of the old thing, which is good. I think, you know, I, I'm going to kind of drag this to my own creative process. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I completed my master's thesis last, uh, the fall of last year. And I worked on that thing tirelessly for like six months. And there was a point where I just had to put it down and walk away from it. I just had to put it down and be like, I am satisfied. If I tweak these anymore, then it's just, it was a, it was a volume of poetry. It was book poetry. And mm -hmm. I had to just be like, okay, okay. I am satisfied. Like they're not perfect. They're never going to be perfect. But like, I hope the creator like finds a place of that and finds an audience for that because that's brilliant and this this makes me feel so much more positive about the video games i'm not a video game person <laughs> oh i mean i but this is the thing is that i i love just in general creativity the idea to take a story that you have and, and there's so many different mediums in which you can you know use it poetry uh, a short story a, a novel a, a video game a painting um so some kind of digital media uh, a, a, a a performance art piece, what have you. Art is something that's, that's the thing is art is never subjective. You know, it's, I mean, art is always subjective. If you make it, if you, if you try to like, you know, pigeonhole it and to say, well, 
you know, Final Fantasy VII is all about Tifa's tits and ass, and that's all I give a shit about. And Cloud is the manliest man in the world. And and you you can look at it that way, absolutely. But that doesn't mean that you know you are forced. Like you, your opinion of this game it must be shared by everyone. I look at Final Fantasy VII remake, and I'm like, God damn it! If I don't want Cloud in a dress to make out with Aerith in a dress, <laughs> I'm into it. I'm into I'm, I'm absolutely into it. I'm mostly into the fact that um. So there just is a quick, quick like side like drama thing that has to do with the Final Fantasy VII fandom is that so in Advent Children, all of these characters had voices. They were given voices in the, sh- in the movie. Uh, you had uh, Steve Burton, Quentin Flynn, Rachel Lee Cook played Tifa. And uh, when they remade this, they cast a whole bunch of new people, specifically people in their 20s. <laughs> And, and the fandom shit a collective brick because they were like, how dare you? Steve Burton was amazing as Cloud. And I am like, Steve Burton is in his 40s. Cloud is 21. Do you know what times a 40-year-old sounds like a 21-year-old when the 40-year-old is 21, guys? <laughs> so it's hard. Like, I get it. It's hard when you're in a fandom to be like, no, you cannot change my voices. We've gone through three freaking Spider-Men and we're now on our fourth Batman. Y'all can fucking handle it. Okay? This is a voice. This isn't the character. It's not like a different human dressed up as Cloud. Uh, justice for Andrew Garfield. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll leave it on that, guys. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Um, yeah, check out next week when we will discuss... Who knows? <laughs> It'll be Hillary's episode. I'm excited because I just feel like from here on out, I just kind of want to do stuff that neither of us really are fans of and just figure it out. Yeah. It's exciting. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, stay safe, stay healthy, stay inside. Please stay inside. Please. Like, I don't I don't feel like I need to ask you to do it, but you should because, listen, I get it. It's rough. It's beautiful out. Open your windows, open a door, step outside for some sunny time, and then go back in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Toodles. Bye. <laughs>